is Mentally Sound Life in Lockdown Podcast Episode 6 Hello listeners, glad you can join us once again Mentally Sound, this is our Life in Lockdown podcast series. We've now reached episode six. So doing this for six weeks now, which seems very surreal. Uh, where did the time go? Um, but but so glad that you've been loyal and, and, and listening to us and uh, dealing with all the, the various challenges in and around mental well-being and mental health under this lockdown period. Um, so we, we've gone, I think, approaching 11 12 weeks now again where did it all go and and we've all kind of led i think a, a very different way of life um and i as i said with the challenges before um a lot of them to us have been of a huge huge um hurdle for us but you know we we've stuck together and we've got by and we've had some expert advice so i hope that the advice that we've shared um has been valuable to you um and we've reached a stage now where lockdown is easing although some of us are kind of wondering what what the new normal would look like and there's still challenges to deal with even when we get through to the other side of this and there's still question marks as to how long this will, is going to go on for um so yeah um uh, thanks to all who have tuned in via spice fm as well um, some some good news that we have another day where our show will be repeated. So Monday is the day in which in which our podcast is aired, and then two days later on the following Wednesday, uh, same time between one and two p.m., you'll you'll get a chance to listen to the podcast if you missed missed the transmission on Monday. So that's awesome. Um, and yeah, we recently had um, a second segment to the show where I where I invite other guests to come on and talk about about what they've been up to during lockdown and the 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 goodwill and good work that they've been up to in in in, in caring for others in the community who struggle with with their mental well-being due to lockdown. So um yeah and and last week's went very well. Um hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. So we're in episode 6 and we again are our next we have another topic to deal with and I think this is something that we, we had initially we were due to talk about um we were gonna revisit um the new normal as I mentioned earlier and, and, and children's mental health as well because you know with lockdown supposedly easing and we, we thought that did, did we re, we should revisit that. We're now gonna do that at a later date, possibly next week, although we, we have other ideas about what we're gonna do next week. We'll we'll talk about that at the at the end of, of this first segment. So this this episode we we decided to dedicate around sleep and sleeping and all the issues regarding that because certainly um one of the headlines that I that I've read throughout lockdown is is people's experiences of of sleeping and how that's been altering and changing um for for good better or bad or I think it it probably leans more towards the bad but but people have have had their own experiences um, and certainly, um, sleep in its association with with mental health and well being is I I, I think is quite huge. Um, 
whether it's you know in my own experience my mental health will affect my sleep and and my, my in turn my sleep will also affect my mental health it's something that's very in tune with one another and it's and I'm sure it's something that uh, our guest therapist Nikki would agree with um so I'll have no further ado I'll, I'll I'll introduce you all to our resident therapist who's been a star all these lockdown podcasts with her insightful advice uh Nikki how are you Oh, I'm good, thank you, and thanks for those lovely words. Good to hear. No, it's 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 a pleasure. I've had some great feedback. Um, your your advice tips uh, has been very very informative to to people out there. I'm glad to say, as they have been on the shows that were, since you joined us, which has been was it a year year and a half now since you joined the show when we when we used to have you in the studio. Um, I think it's eighteen months. Eighteen months. Uh, wow. Yeah, about eighteen months. Yeah. yeah. And it all it all started off with a, a phone call asking if you'd be a guest and and look where it's got us. So and I almost said no because I, I thought, oh, out of my comfort zone, that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember it, it was a phone interview first, wasn't it? And then you joined us in the studio, and then and then you very kindly took me and Steve out for a tea and cake, and then we discussed what we could do in the future, and then. Yeah. The car life changes when you try to step out of your comfort zone, isn't it? But it and just, I loved it. It's been absolutely fantastic. Oh, so, so have we. And it just goes to show that what, what, what can be done when you build certain bridges, yeah. doesn't it? In a way, it's, it's absolutely. Good. And for me, the key thing really is to be able to um, help people and give them tools that can help them through the current situation and you know all the other topics that we've covered in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that feedback, knowing that it's actually made a difference for someone, I think that's just that's invaluable. I love that. I love hearing that. So yeah. let's keep going. Okay, let's keep going, yeah, for how long this lasts. Because <laughs> yeah. um, we, did, we did joke at the end in private. I mean, uh, you know, uh, lockdown is no laughing matter, of course, but, you know, so long as lockdown happens and if there's, you know, the dreaded second wave and all that stuff, at least we'll be here trying to do our best to keep people Exactly. Throughout this, yeah. So sleep and sleeping. Um, right. I remember Nikki at the early in the lockdown, um, hearing stories about about people's sleeping experiences, and and we'll, let's we'll start off with this particular um, aspect towards it that their their dreams have become a lot more vivid. Um, did you hear that one? And what was your reaction to that? Yeah. So I did hear that, mm-hmm. um, and it's something I noticed quite a bit um, in terms of either, you know, family, friends, clients, and just general um, information that was coming through. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple of reasons why that's happening. And the one thing is, is that, and I've, I think I've spoken about it before on, on previous shows, generally, we are programmed not to deal with something that feels uncomfortable. So when we're exposed to an emotion that feels uncomfortable or a situation, Mm-hmm. that is not feeling comfortable for us, we tend to numb ourselves out and distract. So we don't process what's happening either in our feeling or the events of that situation. We don't process it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we suppress a lot of the information and a lot of the um, the emotion that we're experiencing around that. So obviously COVID being as enormous as it was, global pandemic, huge rise of emotion, you know, almost like a tsunami wave of emotion that affected everyone. Mm-hmm. most people would have wanted to have found a way to distract themselves because it felt so uncomfortable having to deal with all of that initial fear and anxiety and uncertainty mm-hmm. and I say initial that's the wrong word because that you're still seeing a lot of that coming through 
Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is that our mind, when we're sleeping, our brain is trying to process everything that we have experienced during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's trying to make sense of it, and it's trying to catalog things, and it's trying to repair, and it's taking everything we've learned, um, and it's trying to process that. So and trying to rebalance. So when we've suppressed a lot of emotion or information that's not been comfortable for us, the brain's trying to process that and catalog it and and, and get it sorted out almost. Yeah. You know, if you want to tidy up the boxes or tidy up the house, let's say our mental house. Yeah. So what's happening is, is that that's starting to bubble through in our sleep. Mm. And that's where a lot of the nightmares are coming because it's a whole mixed jumbled information that's coming through. Does this does this till into the terminology of what's called anxiety dreams? Uh, yes, so you'll be seeing that also in anxiety dreams. Right. Okay. Because I often feel that whenever men- people mention anxiety dreams, it's always like, um, and they're probably right in a way, but it's always sort of re- replaying in their mind, or or not replaying, but 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 sort of proposing a, a scenario where where a nightmare can can happen. So. Some people it can be funny. I've heard people say like you know, oh I, I joined a, a band on stage because I said I could play guitar and then then suddenly I couldn't play guitar and then then and then that's when I wake up. But I imagine as well though because COVID this COVID experience is is you know we we talked about before trauma and, and PTSD that 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 is going to trigger anxiety dreams. I imagine yeah. Oh, absolutely. Actually, I just shared an article on my social media, and I'll pop it onto um, the Mentally Sound. Um, There was a Harvard um, study done Mm -hmm. um, where they looked at, I think they uh, tabulated about 6,000 dreams. So people sent through responses or just information about their dreams during the COVID period. Mm -hmm. And because of the anxiety-provoking state that everyone was in, Mm -hmm. you would see that coming through the dreams. And there was definite themes that what they noticed, there were themes with different sectors, you know, so Mm -hmm. like frontline workers would have had more um, PTSD-related dreams where they were very anxious or stressed in their dreams or, Mm -hmm. you know, very much related to not being able to save a patient or, Mm -hmm. you know, intubation not working, machines failing, trying desperately to get things to work and they weren't working. So you'd see a lot of the stress from the the day and the emotions and the anxiety that they've been carrying during the day, depending not just frontline workers, everyone obviously now, Um, and you'd see that coming through the dream. So, you know, other people would have dreams of of different kinds of bugs, like insect bugs, but that was related to their feelings around the coronavirus bug. So are you saying that these sorts of things become symbolic of something that they've... Yeah, so there's metaphors in the dreams. And what they noticed in that study was that there was Mm. definite metaphors coming through. Mm. um, You would see them in different sectors. Right. So they were starting to catalogue them going, right, these are the frontline workers, these are here, these are here. So really interesting. But again, yeah. The stress that we're experiencing during our waking moments, unless we found a, f- a way to balance that out, mm-hmm. clear it, that will start coming through in our sleep. Because right. the body's always, this is the one thing I tell people, I've been saying this for 20 years, the body is the most intelligent being we have. And it's always finding ways to heal, rebalance and stay alive. 
So whatever we are processing during the day, especially if it's triggering our stress response, the body's going to get that signal you're under threat. So mm. it's immediately going to find ways to stay alive, isn't it? Yeah. So if we're not processing that information during the day and rebalancing that during the day, it's going to come out at night while we're sleeping. Mm. But it doesn't only take that information. Mm. It takes everything. It takes, mm. you know, future thoughts. It takes all your past memories and it just jumbles them all up together. And this is why you get this mixed up dream state yeah. with the underlying um, anxiety arousal in it. And this is why, you know, you end up with nightmares and disturbed dreams and, you know, waking up with a start going, oh, what was that, you know? Yeah. You make a, you make a good point. Um, you made a good point before, and I, I want to highlight it because I think it's important that because um, one of the things that we're fearing is the is the spike in people going for mental health help afterwards, particularly yeah. particularly people who have frontline experiences. Um, and there is a great organisation, uh, 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 but by the name of Blue Light, which um, you might have heard of it, which um, deals with people who work in. The, the emergency services. Um, so, you know, we're thinking that we're thinking about firefighters. We're thinking about NHS workers and people working yeah. in the police because the kind of things that they have to deal with every day. Um, yeah. For some of them, it, it does leave a, a huge emotional impact. So, um, yeah, just so for listeners out there, Blue Light is is a good organisation to get in touch with if you are a, a frontline worker who has had to deal with. Um, you know, scenarios which have been, you know, too much to handle or very emotional to deal with. I mean, this was in existence before COVID hit, so you can imagine what the what what this sort of sector would might have to deal with after all this. Um, if I'm mistaken, Ricky, there's also some support for frontline workers, so some free counselling. Um, all right. Yeah. If you have all more information on that, please please say. Um, and if and if you have details, we can always share this on our. On yeah. our social media afterwards, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Could I, in the in the aspect, going back to trauma again, but I also want to I also want to allow that to lead into insomnia because, with my um with my own dealings with PTSD, post traumatic uh, disorder, um, I, I always describe it as a curveball because it's like a, a mixture of a lot of things sort of rolled into one. So it would be the it would be the anxiety, because of course PTSD is an anxiety disorder. That's what it's classed as. So, but it's also yeah. the depression. It's also the. It's also the the ins well. I was always, I was put in the insomnia because, because after my initial um, dealings, you know that whole sort of time frame of when that happened. Certainly, sleeping was was something that sort of was almost non-existent. Thankfully, over the years, it's something which I've been able to. Um, you know, re resurrect back into my life. So sleeping for me is not is not a, is is not a is not a huge thing anymore. It's it's something that that's thankfully part of me and well being. And I, I sleep well. I sleep well, thankfully. But for those for those who who have developed insomnia through trauma, are there ways and deals to deal with it? Is it is is insomnia a large amount of insomnia a result of trauma, or is it something that can develop out of nowhere? Um, both, actually. So right. you would see insomnia related to um, a trauma event, mm. um, and you would also see um, uh, insomnia coming through when there is 
um, just general anxiety and stress. Mm. So uh, let's take COVID completely out of the picture. Um, and let's look at a working environment for someone. They've got a massive a presentation to do, you know, um, let, let's say next week, Monday, and they're now starting to feel stressed and anxious about it, um, mm-hmm. either concerned that they're not going to, you know, get the pitch. And so all of that's going to be coming through and that could be causing the insomnia. So it's that arousal state. So when we're seeing the mind not switching off and allowing the body to go through its sleep patterns, Mm -hmm. um, then you will see insomnia. So as soon as basically the mind's too busy, it's not letting you sleep. Um, so there are things that you can do in terms of tackling insomnia. A lot of it would be reframing. So one of the things that happens when someone suffers from insomnia is that there starts to become an unhealthy relationship, if you want to say, with the, with the bedroom or the bed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this anxiety, you know, as soon as night time comes or as soon as it's, it, you need to start going towards getting ready for bed, there is um, an anxiety that starts coming through and maybe frustration and annoyance that starts coming through because the whole thing of, am I going to get some sleep? Um, you know, is it going to be enough? I really need to sleep. I, I need to be functioning for tomorrow. So mm. there's there's a state that starts to develop. So mm. some of it, some reframing can start to happen where people start seeing their bedroom as a peaceful place, a calm place, a bed is there for them to get some rest. It doesn't mm. really matter if they can't sleep that night, but it's more important that they rest. So just rethinking how they see their bedroom and seeing the bed. Yeah. That can also start to help. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that once you do fall asleep and, you know, when you wake up immediately, especially if you're an, you know, you're an insomniac, the first thing that happens is that initial frustration, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that, oh, I'm awake again. And that starts to activate you too much. Mm-hmm. So there you would start looking at some relaxation tools, breathwork techniques, mindfulness, reframing again. That's fine. I've woken up. That's okay. Um, I will be able to fall asleep again. Um, Let me, you know, get into a comfortable position. Sometimes you need to just get up, have a quick walk around and come back to bed and restart the falling asleep process as if you were falling asleep for the first time. So sometimes just getting out of bed is better because you break that cycle of lying in bed, tossing and turning, tossing and turning, tossing and turning, because that just aggravates Mm -hmm. you too much. Um, Other things is sleep hygiene is absolutely essential for insomniac. So here is creating good sleep um, hygiene habits before going to bed. Um, And one of my absolute bugbears is what... um, getting off gadgets so what i call like the golden hour is that hour before bedtime making sure that you switch off completely from all gadgets get off your screens get off from the tv and create a relaxing environment and start to unwind your body so you know a nice long bath or a shower your room needs to be comfortable like the right temperature very warm, um, comfortable lighting, no big bright lights, mm-hmm. um, and really work at relaxing yourself. So reading, some very gentle stretching, some breath work techniques, again, mindfulness, things like that, just a little bit of positive thinking. Journaling, get 
whatever you're carrying, all your thoughts, your concerns, anxieties, just write them out. And I think I said to you on one of the podcasts, I probably recommend journaling for everything because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so essential. Mm. So that's quite important as well, just to help you just declutter the mind. Mm. And what I said was why we're having disturbed sleep is because we're not processing enough during the day. We're not giving ourselves time to process during the day. So mm. taking those five, ten minutes just to declutter the mind and just write down anything you're carrying or concerns for the next day, mm. that'll be so invaluable to you because then your mind knows that it doesn't have to sit and process all of that information you've written down and you can come back to it the next day. It doesn't have to catalogue it for you while you're sleeping. Mm. Yeah. Um, just things like not having caffeine, you know, at night time, yeah. um, making sure you get plenty of exercise during the day. Those things are really important. Um, just going on the caffeine there, because like before, when I it was always like, oh, have a hot milky drink or something, and yeah, I was preferred to have something stronger, but but then that would that would always defeat the cause. But you know, the the list that you've given there is um, sounds a lot more practical and helpful. I'll just remind um, listeners because this this um, relates to a previous show that we did. Um, this this terminology of digital. Uh, digital detox which is what a lot of therapists use it's sort of and you as you rightly say um tech not just before you go to bed but sometimes also when you um get up from bed is always the first thing that we kind of you know reach out for and i'm I'm guilty of this i'm going to hold my hands up um sometimes i'm a bit sort of almost too eager to read the messages or the latest news as soon as i wake up and um i try and do that less more and instead i just try and you know, listen to some radio, a bit of something a bit more calming. But, mm-hmm. but do you think there's going to be an adverse effect here? Because whilst we're whilst more of us have tried to embrace technology more throughout lockdown period, that we're gonna there's a danger of become uh, there's an addict an addic- addictive sort of element towards it where we might fall into, and therefore that might harmful Absolutely. to our sleep even more so. Yeah, it's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? Because for a lot of us, it's the only way that we can stay in touch with, um, you know, personally with our family and loved ones. Um, You know, work-wise, it's the only way that you can work nowadays is through tech and and all sorts of platforms. and, And we are very reliant on it now so you know it takes 21 days to create a habit (laughs) so if you are constantly on your phone or your lap let's be honest it's phone you know you wouldn't be switching on your laptop first thing in the morning it's your phone that's on your bedside um and if your insomnia or your sleep disturbances or you know nightmares dreams Mm. are related to COVID, you know, the stress that you're feeling and the anxiety you're feeling to COVID, mm-hmm. possibly one of the worst things you can do is be on your phone, scrolling through social media feeds mm-hmm. um, or watching, you know, TV at night, um, yeah. the news particularly just before you're going to bed. Um, that's possibly one of the worst things you can do. You, you need that time to separate from that so that your brain can start switching off and just moving you into a different place. So what's your, what's, what was your reaction then? Because obviously when, when the government are trying to, um, they're in, in, in essentially are, are trying to make us embrace it even more because, you know, what they're talking about this track and trace systems and you'll get alerts and stuff. So, but but also there's those people who aren't necessarily tech savvy who are going to sort of miss out on that and 
I don't know. It just seems a bit of a inconsistency there. Would you agree that because as as we talked in the conversation before before we started recording, is that it's not it's not really there's not really good leveling out here, is there? About how people no. can be reassured about how they, how they deal the rest of lockdown. If you look at um, if you look at all the advice given. So yeah. on every podcast we've done, I've always gone and looked at the NHS advice that's being given yeah. on that topic because it's good to see what what the NHS is advising mm-hmm. the public mm-hmm. um, in comparison to maybe what we've learned as, as therapists to advise. Yeah. And there's always, I mean, there's, there's, there's a strong similarity. But the one thing you see on every single point is to avoid technology and avoid Mm -hmm. social media Mm -hmm. which is really interesting um in terms of my um, personal and this is very very personal i tend to and you know me i'm really not a tv person you know i barely even know how to work the tv remote Mm -hmm. to be honest um i i tend to avoid those, those types of platforms. Obviously, I, I need social media and things for work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a very light engagement on my own personal profiles. Yeah. Um, but I find watching all the updates, the news updates, in the beginning, the first kind of week yeah. to 10 days, you know, the TV was on all the time, mm-hmm. you know, watching all the updates. And and I just realized the amount of anxiety and and I myself you know the insomnia that I started suffering at that point in time and and how quickly my mental health took a turn yeah yeah. and I was quite public about that on my social media account which I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people were quite surprised you know they're Mm -hmm. like oh gosh Nikki you're always the one who's so positive and so Mm -hmm. you know we turn to you so it's quite you know taken aback to see you in that in that situation and that Mm -hmm. was the very first thing I did is I um switched off um mm. so it's not on the news is not on in the house um i will get you know like a news update um which comes through on my phone just headlines yeah. and um, i might read them i might not um and that's just my personal choice yeah. and i know very many clients and family members who you know first thing they do in the morning is watch the news last thing at night before they go to bed i mean the news is like their addiction almost and they have taken steps to stop watching the news because of the anxiety that it's creating in them well that's what i did yeah i've had to limit myself and i'm talking as a news junkie myself yeah (laughs) i know you are a news junkie but um going back to my 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 own personal experience so when when i when i said that 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 my sleep pattern was the first one of the first thing which which altered you know after my my trauma um in a way i i in in a sense i guess i embraced it because there were times that for a number of years i i embraced it and enjoyed the fact that i wasn't sleeping i you know i was the as the terminology goes a night owl so i was doing things what i liked whether it be watching films or listening to music or, or writing uh doing art that sort of thing um but then over the years, I've learned that in relation to mental health and, and my anxiety in particular, that um, how how essential good sleep is and, and it emphasizes right. what we just talked about before. So I've always championed uh, good sleep and not just related to my anxiety, but also 
uh, I found that it has um, inroads into my relationship with food and, and so on, that sleep is an absolute driver for a lot of things. And I, I hope that we continue in, in being championing for sleep or, you know, give a homage yeah. to sleep because I remember watching a very disturbing documentary going back years where they were suggesting that, you know, they had these sort of like, you know, brain boxes who want to develop a pill which meant that human beings would 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 sacrifice sleep so they can be more productive and wouldn't it be great if we could all not having to sleep where we could just be energized to work 24 7 i was like i was i was horrified it says these guys want to turn us into robots i mean that's the absolute last thing i want to do because i've read a few articles in more recently as well uh, that that tell us about sleep what it does to a body that we don't know i mean it's not just about recharging is it there's a whole lot of things on a bio on a biological level that really yeah massive amount of processes and loads and loads and loads of studies done on sleep you know sleep research and how it helps us in our development all sorts of development you know and they've done it throughout um you know from tiny babies yeah. um all through you know all ages yeah. um it's absolutely essential and there's so much correlation between yeah. sleep um, focusing very much on sleep hygiene, sleep improvement, and how this affects our mental health. Mm -hmm. And in fact, last year, um, so you know I do quite a lot of corporate work, mm -hmm. and last year there was a very strong theme that was going through um, the corporate environment where they started focusing on sleep because they realized, or so when they did researches through the companies and surveys, one of the companies I work with, um, they quite a national company, company and they did a massive national survey yeah. and one of the things that showed up as number one was the their staff's um, poor sleeping habits right. um, and how that was actually relating to uh, mental health and you know um, what was happening in the workplace interesting, interesting, staff yeah. illness um, staff not performing that kind of yeah. thing um, and I had and I did a series of sleep talks for them mm -hmm. just to help improve sleep so absolutely essential and it's quite interesting as you say it's not just um it's not something that we just need to do to make us look younger you know they talk you know sleep is beauty sleep yeah. it's it's absolutely essential and a lot of people mm. are recognizing this i mean there's a lot of um i remember when when my when my my late father used to have a shop on the uh, shields road over in biker and it was next to a um it was next to a, a video hire place video rental and um Quite often when I was up there, I would because I was like a a neighbor. I would I, I was often allowed to 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 watch films which I wasn't supposed to. So I went through a sort of a, like a a Vietnam phase. So I was watching all these sorts of films where because Hollywood at that time were were kind of looking back at its history and kind of questioning it. Did we do everything right? And and particularly around those sorts of war films, a lot of it was around. The kind of medication that they used to give the, the soldiers, which meant that they were going to be alert twenty four seven with no sleep, and it's and it's no and it's no surprise that a lot of those veterans have have become incredibly mentally unwell as a result of that, and their their whole lives have been destroyed. So, the idea of sacrificing sleep to make us better people is something I you know I would always be horrified with and completely. I'm always surprised when you look at um, doctors in training, the shift patterns they've been put onto. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, we apps. If you're critically ill, mm. you need 
the doctor to be performing absolutely absolute best you know and sometimes they've gone from an all-nighter into a you know three-hour surgery and i'm thinking Mm. why why are we doing this to our medical system and to me a lot of the medical staff have have, have voiced that concern that they want to they care so much not for themselves but in order to give the absolute best performance to their patients they want to be in tip-top condition themselves and if they've if they've not had the right sleep well-being and coming off you know 12 hour shifts then it's it's going to be a knock-on effect isn't it and then absolutely and their 12 hour shift is literally a 12 hour shift yeah. you know they're lucky if they get a 20 minute lunch break yeah exactly yeah right so um i'm looking at, at a report here nikki so the king king king's college london have said that through a recent um a recent report that they've done they they think as much as half the population have have had sleep patterns so um that goes to show how 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 big it, it the, 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 the this effect has on people but it also gives and i wonder if you agree with this but um some of the the their own therapists which they've been in touch with have said things like um things like napping whether that's a good thing or bad thing and on on this report it's on the bbc news website that they say that it's best not to take naps that try and if you have trouble sleeping that try and combine as much energy towards sleep as as your sleep time if that makes sense so that's to do with your sleep pressure cycle that happens in the body right so from so basically your sleep pressure accumulates from the minute you wake up so our sleep pressure would be the lowest so our sleep pressure is our urge to um, need to sleep yeah. it would be at the lowest when we wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and then as the day goes on the yeah. pressure increases so generally you would work out from when you wake up in the morning on average mm-hmm. um, the sleep pressure would need 12 to 15 hours right. um, to reach a level where you would be ready to fall asleep. So the sweet spot is at 15 hours. Okay. So when you would be ready to fall asleep. Okay. Um, so if you fall, if you have a little nap during the day, yeah. then what that really means is that you weaken that. So it's almost like taking the pressure out of your tie again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that means that you, you have to extend it past those 15 hours. Mm. So let's say... 14 to 16 hours would be the sweet spot. 15 is the sweet spot, but 14 to 16 hours we could we could mm-hmm. go. Most of us push ourselves beyond that point, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also why you'll see when, like, um, if you tend to sleep in late on a Sunday, everyone makes this mistake. They sleep in late on a Sunday, and then this anxiety starts coming in Sunday night because I better get an early night's oh, yeah, sleep yeah. because it's a heavy week and I've got the big day on Monday. And, yeah. And they go to bed their normal time, but they're not even, you know, anywhere close to the 15 hours. No. And then this is where the anxiety starts kicking in yeah. and then all a lot of the um, mental state and a lot of those, um, you know, anxiety starts kicking in. And then they wake up Monday feeling absolutely exhausted because they had such poor quality sleep <laughs> because they got themselves too stressed on the Sunday night. Yeah. So it doesn't really help to be erratic with your sleep cycle either but so that's the key thing about the napping Mm. on the other hand i'd like to add is that if you are sleep deprived so this is when you find yourself almost do you know when you find yourself 
um, sometimes you, you're in a meeting or you, you probably remember it when you were at school where you kind of start um, dreaming when you're awake almost. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that. So that can be a, a symptom that you actually sleep deprived. All right, interesting. Um, I, I remember at college I used to go into, because I was a, a, a not in design student, so we would go into meetings when we had to present our work, but what they were really called was crits. You yeah. know, an offshoot from the word criteria, so so we had to defend our work basically in front of in front of critics, uh, and these c- critics could be not only the teachers but also your fellow peers. So, mm-hmm. and I used to get the ooh the worst some of the worst panic attacks panic attacks before mm-hmm. going in. And but you're right because often the day before the crit, I would be up all night yeah. doing my doing my work because it was deadline and. So you'd be walking into to, into crits, absolutely sleep de- uh, deprived. Absolutely. And you know, that, I'm, I'm not saying that could be an individual thing. You know, it could be down to my own time management. But the link is there, isn't it? From what you just said. Sorry, what did you say? Sorry, the link is the link. The link is there from what you just said. With regards to sleep de- sleep de- sleep deprivation and yes. And that, and so if you're sleep deprived, I would make the recommendation that you do have a short little nap. Not more than 20 minutes, though. Mm-hmm. So this is almost like a quick recharge on your phone. You know, when you just quickly charge it for five minutes before you head out so that you've got enough battery. Mm-hmm. So it's important. The thing is, is that it's important that we are rested enough to be able to have a rested night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and this we also learn from babies. You know, if a baby's overstimulated during the day, and, and you'll see a lot of young mothers, they make this mistake. You know, they're like, I'll get the baby really busy during mm-hmm. the day and they'll sleep well all night and, yeah. you know, sleep late tomorrow morning. Yeah. Not always the case. The baby often has mm-hmm. a very poor night's sleep mm-hmm. and is up more often because they're too stimulated. So mm-hmm. that state of stimulation is what's triggering our adrenaline and our cortisol, which is our stress, part of our stress response. Yeah. And if that's too high, then the body can't. Mm-hmm release our endorphins mm-hmm. um, which we need to help us relax um, and get into a more rested state so our parasympathetic nervous system is part of our rest and digest system and we need that active at night and this is why i also say that golden hour is important before bed because what we're really doing in that golden hour we're active working on relaxing ourselves doing relaxing things you're stimulating that that system in your body yeah so that you can sleep better. So that's the only thing I'd add into that question, um, Ricky, is that, yes, that sleep pressure, you know, that 15 hours, yeah. um, and I, I would say, yes, don't have the naps during the day, especially if you're suffering from just insomnia. One, one last point on napping. I, I just feel this might be a bit important because there's also cultural aspects to napping, isn't there? There's certain cultures, napping is more sort of, you know, common, particularly in sort of warmer countries where, I know in my sort of travels oh, to warmer countries. Yes, and things. Yeah. How much of that factor could be in this, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I've not actually looked into that one, Ricky. All right. It's food for thought for next time, then. I you? know. It's food for thought. <laughs> it's something I'll have to look into. Okay. Well, it brings us nicely t- towards the end. Um, I was particularly fascinated by the, uh, the, the dreams aspect because... I'm always, it's probably one of the most constant conversations I had with people, you know, each, each have their own sort of insights. My, my, my thing was like, you know, if I was to suggest that my brain had a a storage facility and everything I've experienced in life through the people I've met, 
um, people I've watched on TV, celebrities, that kind of thing, whether it's people I'm, I know very well or people I know vaguely. It's almost like my head, my brain has a very sort of dismantled, oh, maybe maybe properly organised, I don't know, like a storage system. and like So every time I go to sleep, my mind as a sort of a, a treat might sort of, you know, open a few files and so I'm go okay Ricky I'm going to play a little I'm going to put a little stream a little movie together I'm going to put him her and, and people you met at that year and and sometimes it's so, it's fascinating when it comes out with so it. you've got to think of it like a lego box yeah, so yeah you know how we all had these lego boxes when we were little yeah, yeah. and when we go to sleep our mind almost throws the whole box out yeah. and then what it does is it wants to try and color code them you know to yeah. sort them out mm. um but it's not really able to do it. Yeah. Um, and this is what happens. You get this mix mash of oh. colours that are being jumbled and put back into the box. It's all surreal and psychedelic. And a lot of people's best works have come from. Oh, absolutely. Had, yeah. And, um, you know, there's dream journaling. Yeah. So people who journal their yeah, dreams. I've heard of that one, yeah. Um, fantastic things come out of that yeah. massive healings come out of that but just like personal development um inventions yeah. all sorts of things yeah, books yeah. all sorts of things yeah. but just going quickly back to what you were saying um about the cramming you know the night before and mm -hmm. um, there was a study i just remembered it there was a study done in harvard university and i can't remember the year it was done um there was a sleep scientist whose name was um dr Stiltgout, I think, okay. Stiltgout, um, and he did a study on the effect of cramming, because obviously Harvard's got such a huge pressure, you know, for them to reach their, their marks, and it was the students um, at exam time, yeah. and he did a, a, a study on the students, and he asked um, the test group to sleep. They had to get a good night's sleep and not cram. Right. The results actually showed that those who were getting enough sleep actually scored higher. Wow. Um, and um, the studies also showed that, you know, the how sleep affected your cognition, the memory, your recall, um, the processing of things, the placement of things, you know, just how they had to mm. facilitate things. So it's really, really interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, so it doesn't help, you know, every time we, you know, cramming, working through the night for that big... Yeah project the next day it's actually not worth it rather get some sleep and your brain will be able to um take the information and put it in the right boxes when when it needs to very interesting well that that brings us neatly towards the end um again a, a brilliant 40 minutes of insight and this, this time into sleep um before before we, we we end this first segment we thought we'll quickly mention our, our sort of idea we talked before the show about what we might do next week yeah. So do you want to do you want to give our listeners this an idea this idea that you have and what yeah, we can, I what think, can look um, forward to? One of the things that's been so evident over the last six weeks is the effect that stress is really having on us. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how what our stress response is, how it's affecting us, and how we can manage that stress response. What we can be doing to start managing that stress response. Um, yeah. You know, as we spoke about today, you could see really how much that stress response. Um, plays on our sleep um, so there's so many things that we can be doing and if there's enough time we'd like to just maybe dip into some relaxation technique or some mindfulness technique um, to introduce to all the listeners so that 
they can help reduce their own stress response. Well, I well I want that to happen, so I'm going to make sure there is enough time to do that because I think that'll be that'll be <laughs> less talking, Ricky. Yeah, less yeah. talking. Yeah, I'll shut up and just allow you to <laughs> dictate the show. Um, I think no, it's it's an idea which I've always been open to on Mentally Sound. I've, I've, I'm open to all sorts of mediums, and I think now that we have sort of uh, the the availability of, of time on a podcast, which would be limited within the studio time, for example, I think we can yeah. we'll make full use of our time to do that. So that'll be Fantastic. great. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, awesome. Brilliant. Good. Yeah. So thanks again, Nikki, once again, and. Um, oh. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to be back on again. Really yeah, yeah. enjoyed it. Stop me on that question. Um, I'll have to go look up the siestas. Um, oh yeah. Well, you know, going back from my time when I used to spend in Mumbai, which is like a, the southern part of India, just hugely hot. I don't think um, you get by through the day without having a, a nap in the afternoon. It was, it was, you know, yeah. so energy kind of. In, yeah, it drains you. The heat yeah, it does. does, it it does so. yeah. Great. So we'll 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 speak to you next week and that awesome sort of uh, stress response response in a practical uh, session. There, it'll be awesome. Look forward to that. So thanks, Nikki. Thank you, Ricky. Talk to you next, you next week. week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hi guys, welcome back again. This is part two of episode six of Mentally Sounds Life in Lockdown series, podcast series. And a great first segment there with Nikki talking about all things sleeping under lockdown. And of course, we talked there about dreams and insomnia. Very insightful. But uh, without further ado, um, as ever with the part twos is is this new new way of talking to other guests, which is, makes it a sort of a two-part thing. And... Um, Yes, uh, a previous guest of Mentally Sound joins us again. Uh, an awesome guy, great musician. It's Simon Taylor. How are you doing, Simon? Hi, Ricky. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, loyal listeners might might know Simon from a pre- previous show, and I was looking back at the archives, and um, if you want to know about more about Simon after this, just, just go back to the archives and look up Show 33, which I think was done around a year and a half ago. Uh, doesn't, fly, doesn't time fly there, Simon? But Simon also played um, at the, the festival that we were at at the Star and Shadow back in September. Sadly, I didn't get to see there, Simon, because I was doing the radios in the other room, but apparently you yeah. went down well, which oh, is which good is day. good to yeah. know. Yeah. So Simon uh, has uh, um, uh, got in touch because he, he wanted to be part of this and he was more than welcome. Uh, he's uh, donated a song that we'll play at the end, a very recent song, and we'll talk to him about what inspired that. But for new listeners, and a reminder for other listeners, um, Simon, yes, he accomplished musician, um, and he has a condition which is called schizoaffective disorder. And uh, on the last show, he talked more about that, and we'll learn a little bit more about it now. So, Simon, first of all, how are you, and what's life been like for you under lockdown? Obviously, it's challenging for everyone in different kind of ways, but at the moment, I'm kind of, yeah, I've been doing some recording today, playing some keyboard, and I've really enjoyed that. All right. 
Thankful to have been able to do that today, yes. All right, right. I didn't know you were multi-instrumental in, in, in that way. Well, I, I barely am. That's the, that's the point. <laughs> in a way, it, it, in fact, to illustrate my point, it's taken me nine weeks to record 68 seconds of a piano segment. Right. Uh, I'm a complete beginner at key, well, keyboards, not piano. A complete beginner, and it, finally, over the last couple of days, I've braved the um, record button, so excellent. I'm up excellent. and running. Excellent. <laughs> And I'm glad you said that you feel uncanny as well. I think when I've asked uh, everyone and how they've been, not just under lockdown, but I think on the show, I think, yeah, you might have been the first and only one to say canny so far. So very, very, very local. <laughs> we are a northeast show. So there you go. Um, superb. Um, so well, yeah, as I mentioned before, um, schizoaffective disorder, and we 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 emphasise it's not schizo, it's schizo. Um, so we, we've got that clarified. Um, do you want to tell listeners, Simon, um, be as candid as you want, what, what that condition in, entails and how it affects you? Yeah, it's um, basically, it's probably a bit like kind of depression with a psychotic element to it. Um, mm. I was diagnosed with it back in 2001, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take medication to treat it. Um, in terms of how it affects me, um yeah, it, it, make, it certainly makes playing music more, not playing music, but the, the gigging life more difficult. Sure. Uh, it affects me basically in terms of work and it affects me in terms of travel. Mm-hmm. Travel's very difficult mm-hmm. uh, for me. I've tried traveling alone in the past and that, that's where some of these songs c- uh, came from, doing the song that you're uh, going to play later on. So, But th- they were very difficult experiences traveling. Uh, it's very tough traveling or traveling on your own with yeah. this condition. And yeah. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's elements of bipolar within this condition. So you, you are someone who experiences the highs and lows, the kind of manic highs and lows. Well, of a fashion, I would say, my, in terms of bipolar, I, I certainly don't have the incredible highs as such or uh, horrific lows. I, I, it, it's probably a little bit more on the level, shall we say. I don't, I don't have massive highs, but uh, certainly periods, quite prolonged periods of quite, uh, you know, Increased energy and then slumping. So I, I might go for a period of a lot of creative energy, and then I'll just collapse. And I'm, I, my, my family will tell you I'm often tired. You know, mm-hmm. I'm frequently tired because I'll just in the daytime I'll go hell for leather with my music and what I'm doing, and then at the end of the day I'm just done in. And that, that seems to be, yeah. Would you would you describe that as sort of a crash and burn scenario then? Yeah, so, pretty yeah. much. I, t- I have that tendency to just go hell for leather with things yeah. with my with my music and my mm-hmm. work life. And uh, it's difficult to stop. It's like an express train, you know. Like, and mm-hmm. then, then you come off it, and you're like, "Oh wow, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm finished." <laughs> so you're you're quite you're well known to the sort of local circuit, and it's it's a very healthy circuit. And I've seen you a couple of times. Um, what about what about performing on stage then? Um, things associated, I guess, with 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 your condition, and are there elements of the stage the stage fright come into it a big way? It has, but it took a long, long while for that to manifest itself. Uh, uh, it was 2018 when I started having problems of, of that nature. I was struggling on stage in 2018. It came out of nowhere, really. I, I was just doing too much at the time with my condition. I was doing a hell of a lot of work. Um, I, I was running a band. I was working in the evenings. In the daytimes, I was trying to kind of make an album. I was still gigging. I was looking for funding for the album and working the evenings in a hall, I'm getting checked for autism in a week or two's time, so mm-hmm. I probably didn't find the noise in the hall too easy to handle as well, because that was at the stage. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just too much at the time, um, really. So, um, yeah, I think basically 
it was it was tough going in 2018 on stage. I had some really difficult experiences on stage. Um, once I had a panic attack and um, I, I played through it. I've managed to finish my finish my gigs every single time, but I've been through some really tough mm-hmm. experiences then. Picking up now, still not easy, um, but um, yeah, just hopefully there'll be more support for people like myself, perhaps in due course, you know, um, people with a disability effectively yeah. um, in performing, you know, because it is a challenge. And you have been sort of doing doing classes with the recovery college and so on, but tell me, um, do you, are you the sort of guy coming from a creative point of view, as with your condition that you find the process of songwriting quite therapeutic for you as well as performing yeah very much so Ricky. very much so i mean the song i was working on today for example is called bad times are through and mm-hmm. um it's got a really nice melody and uh, that's not very uh, not very humble thing to say but i think it does anyway mm-hmm. and just um playing it is just really just it's a slow kind of gentle melody and yeah. playing on the keyboard just really relaxes me you know like just get the reverb levels right and everything like that and I find it very therapeutic and writing the song as well. It's, the song is about pretty much about life and the lockdown in a way, so it's just very much here and now. It's just it's all about the here and now mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of life, life and lockdown where I'm living. So it's very therapeutic, yes. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, we have we have uh, we have uh, about half a minute left. Do you want to um, tell listeners out there about uh, your contact details? If you've got a social media platform, how they can. Um, hear more about you and also the inspiration for the song that we're going to play yes so uh, if you check out simontaylor1.bandcamp.com people people let <laughs> I me mean, say people <laughs> uh, but, uh, and facebook.com slash Simon Taylor song and in terms of the song it's about beautiful island of Formentera which is near Ibiza and I went there I travelled there and maybe I shouldn't have done but hopefully I came back with a song that is worthy of three and a half minutes of your time Thank you, Ricky, for having me on today. No, no, and I can't confirm, listeners, that Simon is good people. (laughs) Excellent. So thanks very much, Simon. We look forward to having you in the studio again. We'll talk at a much greater depth. Thanks. Thank you, Ricky. There's people smiling everywhere But I'm too blind to see The tears are forming in my eyes at this sight's beauty I've travelled for a thousand miles To find a grain of peace And I found it on this isle Across the Bethan seas Where the land is mystical Is where I wanna be It might be metaphysical Something I can feel I'm sick of being miserable Back out across the sea I need Formatera Watch the ship that swim off silently. I 
Where's my fellow travelers? 